Today on Daily Hope with Pastor Rick Warren, we continue in our riveting journey through the series, The Invisible War. In it, we'll explore the unseen world of good and evil and see how it impacts our day-to-day existence. Join us for eye-opening biblical insights into the spiritual dimensions that influence our lives in ways we never imagined. Right now, here's Pastor Rick Warren with the final part of a message called Being Faithful in a Faithless World. Anybody can be generous when you got a surplus. I can be generous with my time when I got a lot extra time. I can be generous with my money when I got a lot extra money. I can be generous with my energy when I got extra energy to spend. I can be generous uh, with help when I've got a lot of extra help to give. It's when I don't have enough for me. I don't have enough time for me. I don't have enough energy for me. I don't have enough money for me. I don't have enough talent for me. And I give it away to help others. God goes, this is a test. And I'm watching you to see if you are faithful. Will you be faithful and will you trust me? Now a great example of this in the Bible is the story of the church in Macedonia. Macedonia was an area of Greece. Alexander the Great, he was from Macedonia. His father was Philip of Macedonia. Now there's a church in this place called Macedonia in Greece and there's another church in Greece called the Corinthians. Corinth is a city in Greece. And Paul writes a letter to the church at Corinth and he's bragging on the church at Macedonia for them being generous in the middle of their shortages. Here's what he says, look up here on the screen. He says, those people over there in Macedonia, they're going through this enormous recession. He goes, they have been going through severe trouble. They've been going through very hard times. And out of their extreme Poverty, these people are flat broke, has flowed extreme generosity and overwhelming joy. What's he talking about? He said, those people over there, they are hurting like crazy, but they gave a huge offering to help the church down in Jerusalem that's starving right now. He goes, out of their poverty came generosity. He said, God's watching that. They are being faithful. They are being faithful. Did you know that the number one test The acid test of your faith in your life is your finances. Not anything else, but it's your finances. Why? Because we spend most of our time thinking, making, worrying, investing, saving, money. It's the acid test of how much do I trust God, my finances. In fact, Jesus said it like this. I tell you, use worldly wealth, your worldly resources, that's your time, your money, your energy, everything. Use your worldly resources to benefit others and to make friends for eternity. In other words, to help get people into heaven, finance missions. In this way, your generosity stores up a reward for you in heaven. He said, when you help other people with whatever you've got, you're storing up a reward for you in heaven. But if you are unfaithful, there's that word, if you're unfaithful with your worldly wealth, you just spend it all on yourself, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? 
You cannot serve both God and money. Did you know that God says, I use money to test how much I'm gonna be able to trust you in heaven? He said, if I can't trust you with material world wealth in this world, I'm not gonna trust you with the true riches of heaven in eternity. This is a test. Money management is not just a good idea. Staying out of debt, investing wisely, giving liberally, sharing generously. That's not just a good idea. It is a spiritual test, and God says, if you're not faithful in how you handle your finances on earth, I'm not gonna trust you with true spiritual blessing in heaven. It's a test, it's a test. Now friends, as your pastor who loves you, I told you, I'm praying for your blessing, and I pray for your financial blessing. I do it all the time. I want you to succeed financially. Not so you can be some fat cat and just spend it all on yourself, but so that you can use it wisely and then be rewarded in heaven. That's what I want God to do. I want you to get those rewards in heaven. And I, I pray for you to be financially successful, so not so you can go spend it on a bunch of luxuries, but so that you can use it to help other people and then get rewards in heaven. So you need to know I'm praying for your success. But let me give you five principles right now. I want you to write these down to make it through tough times. These are five principles that if you will do these things, God will bless you in your life in these areas, okay? Number one, first principle in a recession, God gives to generous people. God gives to generous people. This is a principle in the Bible. God says, the more generous you are, the more generous I'm gonna be with you. If you're generous with your time, I'm gonna give you more time. If you're generous with your energy, I'm gonna give you more energy. If you're generous with your talent, I'm gonna give you more talent. God says, why does God want me to be generous? Obviously, he doesn't need it. He wants me to be like him. Everything I have in my life, everything you have in your life is because of the generosity of God. Your heart is beating because of the generosity of God. The blood in your veins and the air you breathe is all there because of the generosity of God. God so loved that he gave. And God wants us to grow up and be like him, like father, like son, like father, like daughter. God wants me to learn to be generous. And so he rewards it. And there's a principle throughout the Bible where God says, the more generous you are, the more generous I will be with you. You cannot outgive God. I have played this game for many years. Most of you know my story. Kay and I started tithing when we were married 36 years ago, and each year raised our tithe from 10%, at least 1% a year, to 11%, to 12%, to 13%, to 15%. Sometimes on big years, I'd get a raise, I'd raise it three or 4%. Sometimes uh, it was really tight. We were barely making ends meet. We'd raise it just a quarter percent. Why? We didn't tell, we weren't trying to show off. I didn't tell anybody about this for 30 years but I wanted my heart to grow bigger. And every year I wanted to be more like Jesus. So I was trying to learn generosity. Most of you know that today Kay and I give away 91% of our income and live on 9%. Most of you know I don't take a salary from this church. I've served this church free for 31 years. And it's been fun learning to give it away. And I've played this game where God says, Rick, you give to me and I'll give to you and we'll see who wins. And I have lost that game for 36 years. People always say, 
Why do you think God chose you to write the best-selling book in history? I'll tell you why. God knew what I'd do with the money. He knew that I wouldn't spend it on myself, that I would use it for good and for God. I mean, if I, I, when I wrote that book, if I had wanted to, I could have gone and bought a dozen Bentleys. I could have gone out and bought an island and retired and had people serve me little glasses of iced tea with umbrellas in them. <laughs> but it's not about you. Now, God gives to generous people. And the more I give, the more God blesses me. Number two, this is a real important one. Obeying God's vision will bring God's provision. Obeying God's vision will bring God's provision. In other words, if you do what God tells you to do and you don't have the money, you don't have the energy, you don't have the people, you don't have it, God will bring it along, the resources you need at the right time, because what he calls you to do, he's gonna fulfill. What he's given you the vision for, he will give you the provision for. He'll give you the provision for. And, and so what you need to do is you step out in faith to do what you know God's called you to do. This is a real important one. When I do all God tells me to do, he does what I can't do. When I do all God tells me to do, he does what I can't do. Now this story of the feeding of the 5,000 in the Bible is a perfect example of this. Do you remember this story, the miracle of Jesus feeding 5,000 people? They're all out in the desert, Jesus has been teaching all day, it's the end of the day and everybody's hungry. There's no McDonald's anywhere. So the disciples come to Jesus and said, send them all away Lord so they can go home and eat. And Jesus looks at the disciples and he says, you feed them. Now, that was impossible. Here. God often asks you to do the impossible to stretch your faith. He looks at him and says, you feed him. He says, Lord, we can't. We don't have any money. We don't have any food. There's no place to buy food. We can't. He, Jesus said, you feed him. So then he says, anybody got a lunch? And out of that entire 5,000 people, one little kid has a little sack lunch. And in that little sack lunch are five little tiny rolls of bread and two little fish, like sardines. And the little kid takes his measly little lunch and he gives it to Jesus. He gives Jesus everything he's got. It's not much, but he gives it to him. Jesus takes it, he breaks it, he blesses it, and he multiplies it, and he feeds 5,000 people with it. And then at the end of their all feeding, they gather 12 baskets of leftover. There was so much leftover. What's the principle there? When I give what little I've got, God multiplies it and he makes up for it. Fourth principle, very important. When I have a need, I sow a seed. When I have a need, I sow a seed. Now here's the point. Whatever you need more of, give it away. If you need more energy, give energy to helping other people and God will give you more energy. If you need more time, give some of your time away unselfishly, and God will give you more time. If you need more intelligence, you give whatever you got away to help others. If you need more money, whatever you need, you sow a seed. Can you imagine a farmer going, well, it's recession. I think I'll just keep all the seed in the barn. 
No, you got to plant it in order to profit from it. Now, you, whatever you need in your life, you sow that as a seed and it will be responsible to come back to you. Here's the fifth principle, very important. There's always a delay between sowing and reaping. There is always a delay between sowing and reaping. In other words, if I go out and I plant a kernel of corn in the ground, tomorrow I'm not gonna see a full-grown stock of corn with 20 ears on it. it. Ain't gonna happen. There is a season between planting and harvesting, between the seed and the fruit. There is always a time delay, and what's going on in the time delay? This is a test. It's a test of your faith. There's two other ways that God tests your faithfulness. And when you, see, when you pass these tests, he pours out blessing on your life. Here they are, number five. Faithful people bring friends to Jesus. God is watching you. And faithful people, faithful people share their faith. Faithful people share their faith. Faithful people bring others into the faith. If I don't share my faith, I am being unfaithful. Now a good example of this is, is these four guys in the Bible had a friend who was paralyzed. And they had the faith to think, you know, if we could just get our friend to Jesus, Jesus would heal the guy and then our friend would be well. And they had faith that if they could get their friend to Jesus, he'd be healed. The story is told here in, uh, uh, they're on your outline in, in uh, Matthew chapter nine. It says, some men brought to Jesus a paralytic, a paralyzed man, a paralyzed friend, lying on a mat. He couldn't even get to Jesus, he was paralyzed. When Jesus saw their faith, circle the phrase their faith. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. I didn't print the rest of the verse. The rest of the verse says, and he said, take up your mat and go home. And the guy was instantly healed. Now, Jesus heals the guy. Now, according to that verse, did Jesus heal the guy because of the sick man's faith or because of the friend's faith? What? Yeah, the friends. It says, when Jesus saw their faith, you guys had enough faith that if you could get your paralyzed man to me, I'd save him. On the basis of their faith, not the guy who was sick, but their faith, he healed the man. Now listen very closely. You have friends that are paralyzed and can't get to Jesus. You have friends who are paralyzed by guilt and they can't get to Jesus. They're paralyzed by doubt, and they can't get to Jesus. They're paralyzed by fear. They're paralyzed by worry. They're paralyzed by insecurity, and they can't get to Jesus. And the only way they're gonna get to Jesus is you're gonna have to bring them. And if you have enough faith to bring them to Jesus, they will get saved. But they're not gonna get saved. They're not gonna be healed. Their life isn't gonna be turned around until you have enough faith to bring them to Jesus. Now when God looks out and he sees people bringing people to him, he not only heals those people, he blesses the person who brought them. If you want the blessing of God on your business, if you want the blessing of God on your family, if you want the blessing of God on your life, just start bringing friends to Jesus. 
And if you bring your friends to Jesus, God says, that's the kind of person I'm looking for. They are faithful. And God blesses faithfulness. You want God's blessing on any area of your life? Just start bringing your friends to Jesus. And you watch what happens. God will do things in your life, your finances, your health, your business, you could not imagine. Faithful people bring friends to Jesus, which is why we don't ever stop reaching out. One last principle. Number five, or six, faithful people build the faith of others. Faithful people build the faith of others. And when God sees your faithfulness, he blesses you. Now, building the faith of others is called mentoring or discipling. It's simply encouraging somebody in the faith who's younger in the faith than you. Everybody in life needs a Paul, and everybody needs a Timothy. What's a Paul? That's somebody who's older than you who can kind of encourage you and encourage you and be a coach to you spiritually and just be there to pray for you. Everybody needs a Paul, and everybody needs a Timothy. That's somebody who's not been a Christian as long as you. Maybe you've only been a Christian one week longer, but they can be your Timothy. And you need to be mentoring somebody younger than you. Now, you don't need to be 100 steps ahead of that person because they can't see you. You only need to be one step ahead. And if you start helping other people in their faith, you're going to find God blessing your socks off. Faithful people build the faith of others. God has called every Christian to do this. Notice this verse, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. The things, Paul is talking to Timothy. <clears throat> Paul says, the thing you've learned, things you've learned from me, Timothy, in the presence of many witnesses, you are to entrust to other faithful people, there's that word faithful, who will also be qualified to pass it on to others. Now notice, in that verse, there are four generations. Paul says, I helped build up your faith now you're to find somebody who's faithful and help build up their faith, who they will turn around and build up the faith of others. Four generations in one verse. Four generations. This is called mentoring. It's called discipling. Don't you wish when you were in your 20s and you're a young guy, if you had had an older guy who was a Christian who said, you know what, I don't know a whole lot, but let's just get together for coffee once a month and we'll just talk and I'll pray for you. And you need some help in your business? I don't know a whole lot, but I can tell you what I know. Uh, you need some help in your family, your marriage? I can tell you what not to do. I can tell you what not to do. That's, it. That's mentoring. See, it's wise to learn from experience. It's wise to learn from experiences and mistakes of others. I don't have time to learn it all myself. And, and let's say if you're a young uh, woman, wouldn't, wouldn't you like to have an older woman, a godly woman, who takes you under your, her wing and says, look, I know you got problems with your kids, problems with your husband, or problems with your career, or problems with this, going to school. I tell you what, I'll just be there to hang on with you. I'll be there to pray with you. I don't know a whole lot, but I'll just be there for you. Wouldn't you have wanted that as a, as a young Christian? Of course you would have. Of course you would have. I have had six mentors in my life. One of them died this week. His name was John Stott. He was 90 years old. He lived in England. He wrote over 50 books. He was one, in my opinion, of the four greatest Christians of the 20th century. 
To me, the four greatest Christians of the 20th century were Billy Graham, Pope John Paul II, Mother Teresa, and John Stott. John Stott was a mentor to me. And in my life, I've had six different mentors who encouraged me. Now, he didn't sit down and teach me lessons. I'd just call him up and talk. And I just knew that there was somebody who was a little further down the road than I was who cared about me. Now, I know what somebody's saying. Rick, you don't know the mess I've made in my life. You don't know all the problems I've done. You don't have to be perfect to be a mentor. If you did, there would be no mentors. There are no perfect mentors. Everybody's flawed. It's interesting to me that when God chose the leader of the church, the person he chose out of all his 12 disciples was the biggest failure. He chose Peter. The guy who denied Jesus three times is the guy Jesus chose to be the leader of the first church and preach on the day of Pentecost and 3,000 people were saved. God loves to use losers. He doesn't use the perfect winners. He, he loves to use losers. And he chose the biggest leader, uh, loser to be the leader. Who can better understand somebody going through a bankruptcy than somebody who's been through bankruptcy? Somebody who's had problems with their kids than somebody who's had problems with their kids. Somebody who's gone through cancer than somebody who's going through cancer, somebody who went through cancer. Somebody who struggled with drugs than somebody who struggled with drugs. Don't waste your hurts. Use them to help the next generation. And God will use it. Here's what Jesus said to Peter, Luke 22. This is before Peter denied Jesus three times. Jesus knew he was going to do it, and he said this. Peter, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat, but I've prayed for you that your faith will not completely fail. He said, Peter, I already know you're going to fail, but I've already prayed for you, and I know you're going to come out of it. So after you've repented and come back to me, after you've blown it and you've come back to me, strengthen and build up the faith of your brothers. In other words, saying, be a mentor. What I want you to be able to do this fall is you to take your biggest problems and failures and save somebody else from making the same mistake. And you'll be able to say like Job, look up here on the screen. This is what a mentor does. You'll sing God's praises to everyone you meet testifying. Here's what you'll say. I messed up my life. I messed up my life and let me tell you it wasn't worth it. But God stepped in and saved me and I'm alive again. That's called mentoring. I messed up my life and let me tell you it wasn't worth it. But God stepped in and saved me and he'll help you too. So hang in there. God is going to use you as a mentor. Let's bow our heads. I want you to follow me in this prayer after I pray for you. Lord, I, I know, Father, you're, you're looking for faithful people to use. You're looking for faithful people to bless. I know that people of real faith are hard to find. And yet you have said faithfulness is the key to blessing. It is the key to victory. And that a faithful man, a faithful woman will be richly blessed. I want these people in our family to be richly blessed. So help us to respond to the six tests of faith with the way that we ought to respond. Now you pray. In your, in your heart, in your mind, say this. Dear God, 
please use the little things in my life to grow my integrity, the stuff that nobody sees. Help me to be faithful in that which isn't my own so that you can give me my own. And God, use my talents to grow my unselfishness. Help me to realize that my giftedness, my abilities were not made for my benefit, but to make the world a better place and to help others. Lord, the tough times I'm going through, I'm gonna ask you to use them to grow my persistence. Help me to not give up. Help me to keep on keeping on. Help me to not look at the problem, but the reward in heaven for growing in character. And you know, Lord, the stuff that I lack, that I've got a shortage on in my life, I'm gonna ask you to help me to grow in generosity through the shortages of my life. To be generous when I can't afford it, with my time, with my praise. Help me to be generous in affirming others, to be generous with my money, Help me to be generous with my love. Help me to be generous, not with criticism, but with praise. I wanna to learn to be generous in every area. I wanna obey your vision and expect your provision. I wanna do what you tell me to do and then watch you make up the difference. I wanna be generous so that you can be generous to me so I can be more generous. Where I have a need, help me plant a seed. And when there's a delay between the seed and the harvest, help me to realize you are still, you're still testing my faith. Lord, I want your blessing on my family, on my business, on my life. Help me to faithfully bring other friends to the faith to bring my friends to Jesus who are paralyzed and don't have enough faith on their own to come to you. And help me to build the faith of others. It scares me to death, but I'm willing to be a mentor. I ask you to help me be a faithful person so that you can bless me in your name. If you've never invited Jesus Christ in your life, say, Jesus Christ, Come into my life right now. I want to put my faith in you. Amen. Hi, everybody. This is Rick, and I hope you enjoyed today's broadcast. You know, if you just prayed that prayer for the very first time, or you just recommitted your life to Jesus again today, would you let me know about it? There's something real about sharing your commitment. So write me, Rick, at PastorRick.com and say, Rick, I prayed that prayer of commitment. I gave my life to Christ, and I'll send you some material that'll help you on your journey with Jesus, and I'll also pray for you. God bless you. You're listening to Pastor Rick's Daily Hope. We're so happy you've chosen to study along with us today. Why is everything in life so hard? Why does the right thing often feel like a battle? It's because every day there's a spiritual war raging all around you. Here's Pastor Rick to tell you more. You know, we all face temptations every day. It's a spiritual battle that takes place inside us, and it makes us vulnerable. 
particularly if we don't know how to fight it. To overcome temptation is absolutely essential that you know the tactics that Satan uses to trip us up. And it's vital to learn the biblical defenses that God gives us. He has told us in his word how to handle and how to manage the attacks of Satan. Now, in order to help you learn how to respond to the predictable patterns that Satan uses to tempt you, I've created a study kit called The Invisible War, Winning the Battle of Temptation. This kit, The Invisible War, Winning the Battle of Temptation, includes a DVD with seven different sessions and a simple booklet that'll help you learn how to overcome and defeat temptation in your life. You really need this. In the series, I will teach you the three kinds of temptation, God's antidote to temptation, and even how to avoid temptation in the first place. It is a study guide that you can use by yourself, but you'll actually get more out of it if you'll gather a small group of friends together and study it together as a small group. I want to send you the Invisible War, Winning the Battle for Temptation study kit as my gift to say thanks for your support of Daily Hope with your financial gift. You know, we can't do this without you. And your generosity helps us take the hope of Christ into places all around the world and now to places that have no Bible, no believer, and no body of Christ. Go to PastorRick.com right now to get your copy. That's PastorRick.com. Or you can just text the word HOPE to 800-600-5004. That's the word HOPE to 800-600-5004. Today is the last day to get this great resource, so don't wait. Be sure to join us next time as we look into God's Word for our daily hope. This program is sponsored by Pastor Rick's Daily Hope and your generous financial support.